Welcome to the Blueprint Podcast, where we throw out the old blueprint so you can become who you were always meant to be. I'm your host, Jason Smith, and if you haven't already, make sure you click the subscribe button and share this podcast on social media with your friends and tag me in it at jbirdfit. Today, we have a very special guest for you, Rick William. Rick is a purpose coach, somatic therapist, and meditation teacher. Rick supports many high-performing business owners, artists, investors, coaches, and change makers. After Rick exited his startup at age 25 that served over 200,000 members, he traveled the globe meeting and supporting some of the world's most influential thought leaders and spiritual teachers who are featured on his hit YouTube series, Stories That Matter. Rick, welcome to the podcast. Give us a little bit about your backstory, who you are, and who you help. Mm, beautiful. Thank you, brother. And man, thank you for sharing your story. I was I was moved listening to it. You know, I, I can really feel your depth of care as a human being for the work you're doing. And it's super beautiful to be here. And I'm looking forward to uh to getting to dive in with you today. So a little bit about myself. Yeah, like, you know, similar to most of us who are probably listening to this or yourself or anyone who's walking the path, I was, you know, living uh, a life that really didn't make sense to me. Like, I, I was living the life that I had grown up into. And the whole time I'm just walking around and I'm just like, you know, trying to do these things that I thought would bring me happiness and contentment and fulfillment. And like step after step after step of trying different things, <laughs> um, none of them worked. And, you know, I'm like 25 and have built a successful business and have a team and have a penthouse and have a BMW. And as cliche as it sounds, you know, I, I was not happy. You know, it's like it, it's 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 cliche to say that but if we actually look at western culture and civilization our world that's what we are predominantly aiming at in terms of what is going to fill the void and i realized that that was not going to fill my void and i like mentally was just wasn't in that great of a place you know i hadn't i'd been meditating for about three or four years at that point maybe a little longer and i was starting to get some insights but it was still just like I was really just like pushing up against it and wasn't in a great place. You know, I would, you know, people would cut me off in traffic and I would, you know, there's a time where I drove all the way back to the dude's house to shout at him. I was that angry and disturbed inside that I followed this dude back 20 minutes out of my way to just get out of my car and just fucking shout at him. Like, that's how, like, I'm, I'm whoever that guy is. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> how long after that did it take you to find that self-awareness to recognize kind of what was happening in that moment, mm -hmm. what you were going through? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. It was like a stumbling effect. It was like all of these things were happening. And I think there was a moment where I was actually in a nightclub and I was stood around and, and there was like a table and, you know, there was like some of my colleagues and you know, friends, associates, and I'm just stood and I'm just, I just remember looking, I'm just like, this isn't it. I was like, this is not it. And I remember making a decision of like, it's time to change. And I didn't know the way then, I just made a decision that I'm going to find a different way of living that feels more true, more real, and more authentic. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. Because there were probably some thoughts around that time, if I'm like thinking back, where I was like debating. I was like, I either end it or I go all in. And they were thought like, they were, you know, like you're just walking down the street. And I'm just like, ah, oh, like this isn't it. Should I, should I end, should I just end it? You know, and, and I wasn't seriously contemplating my suicide at that point. I had earlier on in kind of teenage years, late teenage years. But at this point, it was more just like rumination. And I was just like, no, I was like, my soul, my heart could sense that that would just cause a lot of suffering for other people and my own soul. So I made the decision to go all in on healing, transforming, figuring out how I could live uh, 
fulfilling life and how I could begin to, you know, create a life that was, that was not how I had been taught to live. I think that's going to resonate with so many people because we get into this place where we don't believe that we can do anything else. I mm. signed up, I signed up for this. I'm doing the job. I'm putting in the effort. I went to school. I got my bachelor's degree. I went back to school. I got my master's degree. I'm doing everything that I was told to do to arrive at this place, but yet I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel useful. I don't feel like I'm in my purpose. How can we guide somebody that might be experiencing that right now into finding or developing that purpose, that inner knowing, that inner excellence that's already inside of them? They just don't know that it necessarily exists. Mm. It's a beautiful question. And I think it actually requires a, a systemic holistic approach, meaning that I don't believe that you're going to fill out a PDF or read a book and discover your purpose. It might help guide you, might give you some insight. But I actually think the, the compass to our purpose is, is right here. It's about 12 inches beneath your chin and about three inches back. That's where your purpose is. It's your heart. Now, what I mean by that is there is a, there is a compass that exists inside of us that guides us. And we've all heard that voice, but it's not the same voice that we normally hear when we wake up groggy on a Wednesday morning. It's a different voice. It has a different quality to it. Now, when we understand how thoughts and behaviors work, we very quickly realize that actually thoughts come from feeling. They come from, they come from the body. They come from the heart. That's where thoughts come from. They're coming from the gut. They're coming from the heart. They're coming from, they're coming from the body. And that's why I can take, for example, a client and we do this in training. Like sometimes I'll intentionally put them into a state of disconnection, which they'll have been experiencing. I'm not torturing people. Um, and then I can ask them the question and you can think about this right now if you're listening. So, you know, if you think of a time where you felt kind of a, a little shut down and disconnected and just think of that, we're not going to go, don't go super deep into something, but just think of a time where you're feeling down and disconnected and just picture that. And then you ask yourself, what do I believe about myself? And then you'll, you'll, you'll relate to it based on how you're feeling. Now, on the same tone right now, if I said, okay, like shake that out. And think of a time where you felt deeply connected, deeply present, deeply safe, maybe even empowered, joyful. Remember a time where you felt that? We've all felt it at some point. Feel that, see that, bring it closer and closer. Breathe that in. Now, what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about life? What do you believe about people? And you'll have different thoughts based on the feeling tone of, of where you are. So in order to discover our purpose, for a lot of us, we have to reconnect to our bodies, to our hearts. We have to connect the heart and the mind. And for most of us, I know it was for me, my mind was running the show. And when I reconnected to my heart, which actually seems simple. <laughs> I apologize, man. Oh, good. It's better. It is. It is. It is she's it is doing her good. job. She's doing what she's meant to be doing. Yeah. She give it. She give us. A, she give me a nice tea break. When we become disconnected from ourselves, it makes it really, really difficult to connect to other people. Well, I think before creating community, one of the things that I had to do was actually recreate a sense of safety and connection within myself. And I know one of the big topics on your show is attachment. And for me in my life, connection was also a source, a source of danger. And I had to, you know, keep the relationships in my life that felt safe enough to have in that time while simultaneously being aware that certain contexts and certain groups would create a state of dysregulation. By that, I mean a state of either stress or shutdown, meaning like I would either get like anxious or I would feel a sense of like collapse and smallness. If anyone listening is familiar with those states, that would be, you know, from a polyvagal perspective or a nervous system perspective, you've got your kind of anxiety up in your 
sympathetic or you've got your dorsal vagal, which is, which is kind of shut down. From an attachment perspective, we've also got anxious and then we have avoidant. You know, they're also parts of the, the, the nervous system upon which we predominantly experience those um, ways of connecting, ways of relating. And I was aware that there were certain contexts, certain situations that I wanted to be in. I wanted more connection in, say, group situations, but groups were, were really, you know, challenging for me at first. So I went to work. You know, I went to actually address the kind of roots of that so that I could create enough safety within myself and then show through, you know, lived experience step by step that those types of situations were safe for me now. You know, knowing that the nervous system is shown not tell. Then creating types of context, types of situations where I could expand my capacity to move into deeper states of connection. And through all of that, whether it be with uh, my intimate partner, and I'm in a most beautiful relationship I've ever had in my life, which is incredibly meaningful to me. I have an incredible brotherhood of, of friends, of you know, men in my life now. And... You know, I'm able to be in group context. I'm able to, you know, speak on stages or speak on podcasts or jump on a camera. Now, all of those things were like super dysregulating for me. They would either have me like cranked up here or they would have me like running three miles out the door at the, at the thought of that. It would just create a visceral sensation um, that would have me do everything but that thing, even though that thing was something that I knew that my heart was being called towards and yeah like the the, the whole journey through that and, I, and I'm, you know i'm sharing that because you know the work works and you know it's, it's really like thank god that there are tools skills people ways of reconnecting to ourselves reconnecting to our hearts that allows us to have greater senses of connection but also linking back to what we were talking about before in the process of that, in the process of reconnecting, then, you know, my own needs, desires, wants, things that are meaningful to me also come, comes back online, came back online. And then that allowed me at the same time to actually go out and do that. Because I think a lot of the things that we want to do for people, whether it's like start a podcast like you have or write a book, like the books behind you there, um, these things require us to actually share our hearts, that require us to actually go out in the world, that require us to have connections and conversations that allow that to come forward. And that'll be different for every single person. You could be a baker and you've got to do the same thing. You've got to, you know, share your favorite, whatever your thing is that you're here to share and give to the world. That's going to require a level of vulnerability. And especially if it's like the thing that's on your heart, it's on your heart, right? We say it's on your heart. That's, that's the vulnerable place. And if that place has been a place of disconnection, fear, abandonment, accessing that, that's the, that's the work right there. It completely stops us and paralyzes us to the point where we won't do the things that we know that we need to do simply because we're afraid of the reaction. We're afraid people are going to abandon us or reject us or tell us all the things that we don't want to hear, especially like the haters in the comments. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not capable. You can't do this. And ultimately it goes back to that one thing that we all have in common. I'm not enough. How can we move into a place aside from brotherhood and community of finding that connection within ourselves to be able to be able to share the pieces of ourselves that, that matter to us and mm -hmm. to be, and to be okay with that and to not have that fear of that rejection or is that something mm. that just is always with us and we just have mm. to learn to deal with it really thoughtful and beautiful questions i would answer that question by saying that like what we're doing here isn't a new concept like we can talk about attachment from kind of modern western science we can also talk about this same challenge that human beings have been going through for thousands of years from say the Tibetan Buddhist, you know, contemplative sciences. Now, these practices, these ideas, you know, whether we're talking about it from an attachment perspective, we have someone who is anxious, or we have someone who is avoidant. From a Buddhist perspective, we have someone that is grasping or someone that is in aversion. 
You know, we're grasping for something, reaching, bringing it too close. That could be a relationship. That could be food, drink, drugs, alcohol. Or we're avoiding, right? We're, we're pushing back. We're avoiding, which would be aversion. Now, from my experience, having, you know, worked through my own challenges here, I got to find lots of things that really supported me in coming back to my heart. And the way that I live and relate to myself and others today is drastically different to what I was experiencing in my 20s to mid 20s to even late 20s in some ways. And the ways that worked for me were, you know, mindfulness and meditation was incredibly helpful. And as I was going through that journey, you know, even just from breathing and coming to a state of connection, sometimes I would be breathing into my heart and this whole experience would, would unlock and unfold. So that was really helpful. Learning polyvagal theory and, you know, the attachment work and working with practitioners on that was also really helpful. Understanding the traumas that I'd experienced from, you know, men and also women in my lives, you know, seeking out practitioners of different sexes that I could have kind of disconfirming experiences with a relatively similar figure upon which I experienced my trauma and was really helpful. Uh, working with, you know, supportive coaches, men's groups, going on retreats, you know, working with plant medicine was also incredibly helpful. And really just being like dedicated to the path in a way that knowing that the impact that I saw that I had when I was disconnected and hadn't kind of cleaned up and grown up, seeing that impact, I instinctively knew that as I changed inwardly, as I changed what was going on here, that that would also begin to flower and spread in different ways. So, you know, the more that I've actually been able to see the fact that as I change internally in terms of my relationship with self, other and world, that that actually has a positive impact, that that then begins to kind of propel the momentum for me to continue often having to confront aspects of self with, you know, the, the emotional challenge that can come up in confronting those then kind of gets um, deepened with a greater why. Because actually, I think if we look at most of the, and you'll have seen this like on the front line, if we look at most of the issues that we see in society, whether it be left or right, whether it be, you know, political issues, whether it be, you know, the patriarchy or the matriarchy, like what all of these kind of political issues that we see, the kind of systemic issues, societal issues that we see, if we actually like take that back a few notches, you get to the fact that the, the enemy here is not the other. It's not your friend. It's not your brother. It's not your neighbor down the street. The, if we're going to create an enemy here, the enemy is trauma. It's suffering. It's, it's the things that have happened to human beings that have them then respond in a certain way that creates a specific outcome. So we're, we're often just looking at the outcomes of behaviors. However, those, like, that is just going to keep cycling over and over and over again until we see as individuals, as a community, as a culture, that the main thing that we're dealing with here is unresolved trauma is unresolved effect, which is often transgenerational. So it's often really hard to see, meaning this has been passed down the line for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And we are coming into this society, this planet, this world that has all of these kind of issues. But the main issue, if you, if you take anything back, you'll find out that that person was four, five, six, 10, 15 years old, and they were abandoned, abused, left alone. And you're experiencing over here the effect of something that happened much earlier. And if you could see that and we could deal with that right there, all of these issues that we have kind of manifesting on the surface, they would just disappear. We would, we would come back into the truth of who we are as human beings. We would come back into our hearts. We come back into states of connection to be able to solve the challenges that we face as a species. But because we've got so far out, the challenge that we actually face in this moment doesn't just impact us. It impacts the whole planet. Like we're, that's how far out we've got. And I think that's the seriousness. And that's also the motivation that I think a lot of us are feeling to actually make these changes in our lives in this moment. And it's needed. Now, what I love that you said, and this is just another way to say it, 
is when you change the energy in which you meet the world, the world around you changes at your sphere of influence. And I don't think people understand enough that they have that power within them, that when you change, when you become different, and it's not something that you can't do, it's actually a must do. You must change throughout time, throughout your life on this planet to grow, expand, and become different. And when you do this, you can't change, fix or change other people. But as you change, your environment changes and you inspire people through that process. And they get to this place where they might start asking you, well, what are you doing differently? What's happening? I, I like what you're doing. I want to do the same thing. Can you guide me through that process or give me, the, give me the steps that you took or what books did you read or what therapist did you go to? And they'll start asking questions. Not everybody, but it only takes one or two people within your sphere of influence to be impacted by you making those changes. I agree. Yeah. And I'm curious, have you seen that in your life over the last couple of years? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I, I go back to when you change, there's going to be a group of people in your life that reject the idea of that change because they have a core belief that they can't do that themselves. So what gives you the authority or the agency over yourself to go and do those things? But I knew internally, like you said, it's in the gut right? It's right about here within you. It's somatic. You feel it. You sense it. It tells you. It draws you. It pushes you. It's a calling. And so you show up and you start putting in all these little efforts and you find yourself doubting yourself through that process. Oh, I made an effort today. I built this podcast area. This is in my basement. This is just a false background, you know, but I had it within my mind. There was this vision of what I wanted it to look like. So you go to Lowe's, you get the equipment, you do all this stuff, you build it, you put it together, you buy the desk, you buy the camera. And it, it's all these little tiny steps as you move along and you start to realize that you're building confidence and you're building credibility. And then all of a sudden, there's a shift that happens. It'll be one single video or an interaction with somebody, that networking opportunity that you didn't think was available to you, but somebody makes themselves available and you have conversations like we're having today. And it's in those relationships that we build that you continue to grow and expand and become different. And you start to believe in yourself just a little bit more with each step of that process. And then all of a sudden, those people that are the naysayers that have said, you know, you can or shouldn't be doing this, you realize that that was their own limitation. They just couldn't see that for themselves because they have this version of you in the back of their head that's an incomplete version, by the way. It's very incomplete. They don't know your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. They don't know where you've been or what you've done. They don't know your education level. They don't know what it took to get to a particular point in life. And so there's all this missing information, but they can only go based off of their emotion about how you make them feel. And then they place that limitation over top of you. They overlay that and they say, you aren't allowed to do this. You're not capable of doing this. And that's why it's important for individuals, if you feel inspired to do so, to start making those changes, to make that shift in your life, to put yourself on that path, to move in that direction, because you never know who's going to watch what you're doing and then finally believe that it's possible for them too, because you did it. And I think you're also sharing another insight at the same time in your story, and that's the recognition and realizing that the things that people think about you say more about them and their experience than you. And that sounds simple, but it's, it's real like that. You can go deep with yeah. that. It's really like, huh? Even the beautiful and good things that people say about you often says more about them too. And the problems that people are sharing and the things that they put against you or put upon you, when we can recognize that like in the moment before we feel that like you're judging right. me, but if you can recognize that in the moment, then that has no effect because actually you can, you can kind of transcend quickly into compassion and understanding. The moment that someone says, oh, you can't do it. You can be like, huh, like what's going on for you, brother? Or what's going like you can since like you can get into a place of like curiosity to where that comes from within them. If you want to pursue that as a conversation. Or you can completely just let it go. But from that place, it doesn't, it doesn't impact you because you understand. And that's where real compassion comes from, is, is really understanding that that person is having an experience that they're projecting onto you. And from that space, it just, it's like water off a duck's back. And that's where I, always where I come um, from. I say, no, 
you can't do this. Now let's explore why. Explain to me why you believe mm -hmm. that you can't do this. Because I'm doing it. I'm already in the pro I'm, I'm already in the process of it. It's already happening. I have another podcast set up tomorrow that again, I shouldn't have had access to this person, but I did through networking. And so now here I'm already doing it. So what te what's telling you that you don't have this ability to do something the same, similar, or in the context of whatever your dream or goal is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly that. And there's also two other great insights as you were sharing that I was like, ah, like, what we're also talking about here is the the impact of cause and effect, which is one of the Buddha's great insights. Understanding that every every single cause has an effect. And that also seems really simple on the surface, but you can take that really deep, meaning that every single thought, that's how that's how far he took it. Every single thought has an impact somewhere down the line, which is why he was so focused on meditation and clearing the mind and the body so that you could have pure thought, pure thinking. And then that would have a, an impact later, later down the line. And it did, because we're still talking about the guy today. Um, and what you were sharing in your story before, which probably links to many people, myself included, is the, the small actions that you take towards the life that you want to live, whether it be the relationship, the job, the career, whatever it is that you're, you're feeling called for, and you just keep taking those little steps and you build a little bit more confidence and then you meet a different person who then opens another portal and door for you or like they share something with you that just opens a, it's a little seed that kind of opens up and flowers into something else and that just keeps growing and you start moving towards the life that actually feels fulfilling, that actually feels like you're, you're here to live, you know, six months, 12 months, two years, three years, four, down, four years down the line, you're, you're, you're living a completely different life. And it was all just those small momentum, step by step by step, that had us arrive there. And as you share your experience, you know, it's exactly how this happened for me. It was just you know an, an intention to live a fulfilling, meaningful, connective life and just taking the next step, whether it be a book, listening to a podcast, having a conversation, then getting a coach, then getting a therapist, and then going here. It's just, it just built momentum. Just like anything that we, that we choose to do in our life is, is going to build momentum. Yeah, I think it just comes down to, are you willing to find people who inspire you and then get to a place of implementation? And I think we have a lot of fear around that, that part of it. It's really easy to read the book and become a personal development junkie and listen to Ed Milet and all the different podcasts that are out there. And you're in this constant space of learning, learning, consuming. I'm taking all of it in. And you hit this point where it's like, well, now you know all this stuff, but what are you going to do with it? What's your next step? And I think people freeze when they get to that point because it just seems so out of bounds for their level of thinking at that moment that, well, I just, I've never accessed that part of the game. And so I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to achieve that. I don't know what door to step through. And instead of reaching out for help, right? Because it's, we don't want to reach out for help. That's such a bad thing to do. They stay small, they stay complacent and they stay where they're at. And then they grow this, you know, large amount of resentment inside of them. And it's, if you're listening to this, you got to let go of that resentment and that fear of implementation. If you don't know how to do something, simply seek somebody out that's already doing it. I think that's the best advice you could give any anyone for anything, yeah. right? It's like if you want to if you want to learn if you want to learn an instrument, you're gonna sit in your room just with a guitar. Like you might be like one in a million that you can just pick a guitar up and stop playing. But even if you do, your progress is gonna be limited over going and getting a, a guitar teacher who's already learned how to play the chords. He's very quickly gonna tell you where all the chords are, where all the strings are, and then you can, you know, keep implementing and keep growing your your skill set from there. And I think the same applies to anything, to inner work, to meditation, to transformation, you know, or to a career. Whatever your thing is, whatever you want to do in this world, writing a book, creating a podcast, if someone has done it and they can guide you as you take the journey, it's always gonna be your path. But one, it makes it way more fun because you start seeing changes in, you know, an, an actual 3D reality in your life versus listening to a ton of podcasts, reading a ton of books, and you feel like you have, have all of this knowledge, but if you look out in your life, 
you're still experiencing the same thing. That's not actually knowledge because to knowledge is to, to, to knowledge is to know something is to understand something. It's to be under it. It's to be in it. Understanding would be a, a better word. And that's the difference between, you know, cognitive understanding and then kind of like somatic felt embodiment. And that's what we're all really wanting. And in order to get something into the body, into the nervous system, it requires us to take action. And, you know, I think getting people around you in your life who are going to support you in taking action is one of the like absolute keys in any field, personal development, inner work, or whatever it is that you're trying to pursue. Yeah, it's getting into those rooms that you think that you don't belong in and then allowing yourself to actually have conversations with the people that are in that room. Start asking questions, get curious. And you realize that there's, you know, similar to you, they just took a few yeah. different steps and, you know, you, you create that relatability. It's like, okay, cool. Right. Okay. Instead of, you know, instead of like holding back from having a conversation with my spouse, if I can like learn how to communicate and say, hey, my love, can we have a chat? There's something I'm withholding. And then you clear that conversation up, then, you know, two months, three months down the line, instead of, you know, shouting at someone for not doing the dishes, you never arrived there because you actually learn how to communicate. So, so wait, wait what, what you're telling us is if you have a disagreement with your spouse or an argument that you can actually schedule a time, sit down, have a conversation, put the phones away and actually work through it and ultimately integrate whatever the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that were associated with that event, transmute it, and then move on from it together. You can do that. <laughs> revolutionary. Right. We're laughing, but it was revolutionary. No, I, I, I know. It, and the moment that you have that, the moment that you can have that self-awareness and actually begin to change, and you just, you just need one experience of it. Like, as soon as you've had one experience of it, it sets something off within the, the body, within our consciousness that says, ah, I have the power to change. And that in itself, like just that experience, you just need one taste of it. I think the rest of the thing will take it. It, 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 it has its own life. Like once you've experienced transformation or healing from a state of disconnection of negative thoughts or negative beliefs and you change one, then it's like, huh, the system knows it's like, I can, I have agency and that is a very beautiful thing. Why is emotional intelligence the key to scaling your business beyond 1 million? We're switching gears here and moving into more about business and the things that you've created, the things that you've done. And what are the five science backed strategies that you have for that? Well, I'll answer the first question. So if we actually look at what business is, it's relationship. Business is relationship. And, you know, whether you're wanting to have a conversation with your team, it requires being able to understand multiple perspectives. It requires being able to relate to the other, relate to your team, for example, if you're running a business, and really understand them at a deeper level. And then from that place, you know, they're going to respond and act differently in, in, in your organization. So there's a, a deeper level of safety, trust, and connection. Now, when that exists and you know, you're a being, you're an individual who also has a sense of, of where you're going and why you're going to where you're going, and you communicate that to your team, who you have a sense of connection, safety, and trust with, now you're starting to, to move wherever you're going in a, in a direction. And now we all have a why in terms of where we're going. Now, if you have a team and you don't know where you're going or why you're going, you're not going to have much power or momentum to be able to move in that direction. Now, all of that requires a level of internal emotional intelligence. There's, there's, there's a level of intelligence required to be able to hold that, know that, communicate that. Now, when we're talking about a product or a service, really all a business is, is solving a problem for another individual in a way that they want that problem solving in a way that feels good for them to have that problem solved. And in order to do that, you have to understand what their problem is. Now to understand what someone's problem is also requires a level of emotional intelligence. You have to, 
you have to be able to put yourself into their shoes, into their experience, and be able to get a real understanding, a real understanding of what it is they're going through, what their pains are, what it is that they want to experience in life, and then not communicate it necessarily from the way that you would communicate it, but from a way that they can relate to it and understand it so that they can take the steps towards whatever it is that they are wanting in their lives. And, you know, then you support that with knowing the customer journey of where they're going to go from that point, that they're probably going to go in, into some type of other problem or they're going to want some other type of solution. And then you can start to support them with multiple products. Now, all of those things that we're talking about is, is all about understanding other and understanding relationships and understanding communication. Um, and that's really what, what business is. It's just solving people's problems in a way that they want the problem solved and hopefully doing it in a way that feels really good for you so that you can kind of bring your, your energy and your life to it. And then that infuses what it is that you're doing. And, you know, that's that's really the recipe for creating one, a successful business, but two, a business that you're going to enjoy and that other people are going to, going to enjoy. And I think that's really more important than the, the financial piece anyway. Like if you're doing it and you love it and people love your products, you're going to have a good time. And the chances are, you know, there's going to be ups and downs in business. But if you're like truly passionate about what you're doing and it links to your values and your heart and what you're here for, then as the challenges come, like a bad month or this or that, or you key team member leaves, then you're always going to keep finding a solution. You're always going to keep finding a way because it's it's meaningful to you, it's important to you. And you'll see through those hard moments so that you can actually have the longevity to actually create something that that lasts. And that is the dream to create something that's truly sustainable. And a lot of times it can feel like it's so far away, like it's so beyond you. And what would you tell somebody who's in that place of maybe they're just starting or they're in the middle of their journey as an entrepreneur and they're just trying to figure out, they understand who they are, where they're going, what they're doing, and they've got all the steps in place and they're moving through it, but they're not necessarily gaining the traction or the momentum that they would like in that moment. What would you tell that person? Hmm. Well, what I would tell one of my clients in that moment would be to get back to the emotional core of why it is that they're doing what they're doing because it's it's in the emotionality that all the power exists which is what we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes it's 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 in the emotion of why you're doing it and who you're doing it for upon where you get the energy and momentum to be able to continue something forward now if you're doing the thing because you're really trying to please mom or dad or you're doing the thing because Maybe you want to buy a Porsche or you want to buy like any of these things that, that may not really be like rooted in your core. Then a lot of those things can end up falling flat because you're not really doing them for, for your heart, for your soul. And, you know, some people are so driven because they feel such states of disconnection, pain, trauma that that drives them so much that they're like, when I get this thing, then I will be able to feel happiness, fulfillment and um, even just the distraction of putting all of my energy into something for so much takes me away from the pain that I'm feeling. Therefore, that in itself is enough of a motivator to move in that direction. Now, that's not good. I'm not judging that. I've done it. It's not good, bad, right, or wrong. But you're going to arrive somewhere where you will then feel the effects of those. Goals. It's a much easier place to get to. Yeah, it is an easy yeah. place to get. It is an easy place to get to. Now, so if you, if you're going in that, and you're and what you're saying is you're in that moment of struggle right now, then understanding why you're doing what you're doing and finding that emotional core, that emotional why is either going to give you the energy to continue or you're going to discover the thing that you're doing is, is just is, is just something that got you two or three steps forward and then you're going to pivot into something that's actually more aligned. Because I think the thing that we're all looking for is alignment. I think that's the that's what we're all really looking for. And you know when you're on it and when you're on it, there's, there's an infinite abundance of energy. Like, because what I'm doing is so aligned to my core and my path, when I face an obstacle, I see it as a, it's just, ah, there's an obstacle that I have to overcome. There's no part of me that's thinking I'm going to turn around and go another way. It's just, how do I overcome this obstacle? Do I go over it? Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I go in to go over? 
as in do I go inward to resolve whatever it is that's having me face up against this to go over it? But there's no way that I'm I'm turning around. It's just it's th that connection at this point is strong. So for anyone who's in that spot, it's like that's a moment for you to learn something about yourself. Either this is here to teach you that what you're doing doesn't actually truly motivate you and it was just a lesson or it was to teach you that there's something there for you to regain some type of inner strength or inner courage or to reintegrate something that you pushed away that there was a there was a fear of whatever it was on the other side of that that might be being more seen more known more heard that would trigger some part of your nervous system some part of your attachment system that would have you try and divert and go another and in another direction so you know this is why these awarenesses especially around attachment because that's one of the core systems of being human you know like the the core systems that we come online with that create the self system or the ego identity which we all have like i'm in my rick ego identity self structure but beyond that there there are other structures at play now you know when we come into this planet into this body you know the nervous system is the first thing that comes online if you go watch a video on youtube of a of a of a the seed of a being coming to being, you'll see the nervous, the spinal cord, you know, the, this, uh, the brain and the spinal cord and the nervous system are the first things that come online and then the, the whole body grows around that. Then the baby comes out into the world. So that was the nervous system coming online. Then the baby comes out into the world and then the attachment system comes online. It's like, am I, am I safe through connection? And if we actually look at what the human experience is, it's all relationships relationship to other beings, relationship to the planet, relationship to animals, relationship to God, universe, spirit, nature, whatever your relationship to that is. It's all relationship. This whole realm, this whole reality is relational. And that's where the attachment system is so important because um, it's those two systems, the attachment system and the nervous system that create the self system, which is who we think we are. And if you change the attachment system and you change the nervous system, who you think you are changes. Absolutely. That's why I often talk about the self-check-in, the power of a self-check-in when we're talking about attachment. We see it a lot in relationships where one person will be anxious, the other will be avoidant. It's a runner-chaser dynamic and dealing with two people who are emotionally dysregulated and struggling within their own thought process, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. They're going through this. And they don't quite know how to, to talk to one another, to have that conversation at all those different levels. The anxious attacher will often find themselves chasing after this person who isn't giving them what they think that they need in that moment, not fully realizing that their power as the anxious attacher is to, they can step back, they can go within, they can do the self-check-in, look at what they're experiencing in this moment. And ask themselves, how do I feel right now? What am I going through? What triggered this within me? Why do I feel emotionally activated? And, and we hit all these key points. And then you can take a breath. And then you let it out. And you step back and you realize that you actually have all the power in the relationship to make the change within that by not chasing. By saying, you know what? I'm going to go within. And I'm going to recognize that I can stop right here and allow the person to come to me when they've hit a point of regulation on their own end. And where we get confused and we're often in that place of lack of self-awareness is we think that if we don't chase, then they're not going to come back to us, that they're going to disappear, that they're going to abandon us. So if you're the avoidant and you're out there, just simply say, I need a little bit of space and I'll be back in an hour. I'll be back in two hours. Uh, we'll get back... We'll come back together tomorrow at 10 a.m. and we can sit down and have a conversation about whatever it is that we're experiencing. But that's the power that we have. We just don't realize that we do. Mm -hmm. What you just said there in the last 60 seconds is incredibly great advice. I think that's the that 60 seconds of what you just shared for anyone who is working with those two kind of uh, core styles is the greatest advice ever to begin making steps forward towards a secure attachment because the nervous system and the attachment system will learn through experience. Like the, the avoidant will learn that there is spaciousness and that coming back to connection is actually good and that they get to have the experience of that themselves. They weren't forced to do it and they get to, they get to choose it. And then for the, the person who is anxious, 
they get to experience that they can reconnect and create that sense of safety connection within themselves. And that hopefully if you're in a relationship with someone who's co-participating with, yes. with you, that, that this communication and that they'll come back to connection and with you and in a time that also works for them so that it's, it's two people in the relationship and, and understanding and the compassion that you can have for one another is, you know, experience that actually had you arrive at a place that had you either more anxious kind of grasping onto relation a little harder or pushing away from relationship a little bit more than someone else when you actually understand each other's kind of core woundings that created those behaviors further down the line then there's just there's a really there's a real beauty of connection and intimacy that can be found in whatever it is the seeds of whatever created that will really give you an insight into the the others you know uh humanity and i think that it's also really beautiful in terms of deepening relationship is like really understanding like oh like that's that's why <laughs> like it's pretty hard to be mad at someone right <laughs> when you actually understand the, the the place of where the responses come from and i think this loops back full circle to what we were talking about at the kind of meta level of society you know we're seeing these behaviors on the surface with you know politics with the world with climate uh but really, if we if we reverse that back and we have an understanding of cause and effect and we have an understanding of our own trauma and our own behaviors and where they come from in terms of cause and effect, then the whole picture just starts to change and you start to see yourself, you start to see your partner, you start to see your community, your friends, society through a very different lens. It's like, ah, this is what's Well, happening. it's almost like seeing through the matrix because you're, see, you're seeing you're yeah, seeing all these things that. happening and it's like i understand why that is i comprehend that i get that i've mm -hmm. i've embodied this and now i've learned to navigate this and i've hit neutrality and i can understand you and i can allow you to be you without having to change you yeah yeah that's a powerful place. yeah <laughs> so rick you coach people um as we close this out Tell us what it is that you do in terms of coaching, what that looks like, how you help others, and how you relate trauma into that as well. Yeah. The first thing that I think will be most useful for people listening to this episode, especially following your work, would be an assessment that I have, which is called the trigger types. So if you go to my website or you go to rickwilliam.com forward slash trigger types, I've assimilated um, an assessment that brings in many of the different kind of tools and modalities that I've, I've trained with and experienced from, you know, the Buddhist contemplative technologies and sciences. So I'm kind of bringing in a Buddhist lens. I'm also bringing in an attachment lens. I'm also bringing in a polyvagal theory and nervous system lens into one assessment that gives you both the kind of the positives of the type of challenges that you might face in terms of what you're triggered with in your experience. And then it also shows you how you can work through those and then gives you a specific meditation practice or exercise that supports you in transmuting and transforming those triggers into something that's actually really useful for your life. So that would be the most beneficial place for most people. Um, you know, me and my partner put it together and we were like, it's actually really good. It, so it like, sounds it's, amazing. I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, so that, that, would be the, that would be the first place. And that kind of links into how I support people um, in terms of my coaching. So um, having had a, a background in business and also then having been through my own healing journey and being into personal development for you know, 15 years now, um, I really just bring together all of the different skills that I've had, whether it be in business or whether it be in kind of the, the healing world or in the kind of, you know, psychology, somatic science, therapy world, and bring those tools together in a way that supports people in really getting back to their heart and core and power and doing that in a way that brings the whole system online. So, you know, it's a holistic approach in terms of what I'm working with with, with people. Sometimes we're talking, we're working on attachment, we're working with the nervous system, we're working on psychological processes, but unlike, say, therapy, we're also bringing in, you know, 
accountability and action so that these things can can really be brought to life in a in a much faster way um and we're bringing in tools like you know mindfulness and one of my teachers um was he's like an he's an attachment specialist his his actual mentor was one of the leading pioneers in attachment dr dan brown um and then you know that also brings in the line of kind of the the buddhist mindfulness technologies that kind of come through through an attachment lens through a polyvagal lens and we kind of bring all of these things together to really support and transformation and really doing it from the inside out and then having people take that out into their lives in all sorts of different ways i worked with people from you know uh, artists entrepreneurs you know investors to just regular people looking to to make beautiful changes in their lives so it's a it's it's an honor that i get to share these things that have been profoundly helpful in my life and getting to see people actually implement these in their lives and just make enormous amounts of change both in their relationships and their business it's like one of the most beautiful things ever you know i i i wake up most days and get messages from my clients and get to see and feel the progress they're making in their life and it's really meaningful and impactful it's just such a absolutely and it's super fulfilling and gratifying and you know i'm in that same place right even now i have mentors and teachers and how i support people is really just the the gift of the support i was able to get when i was ready to be in a place to accept support in my life and it was truly transformative and to be able to give that support to others and and their lives is truly gratifying as i'm simultaneously still being supported you know we're, we're in this we're in this cycle of support and that also is even that's even more beautiful to think of you know that you know and all my mentors are the same they have meant like my mentors have mentors right. my teachers have just this this cycle of you know giving and receiving and realizing that the people that you're probably most inspired by actually have a whole team of support right. we see that right we know that in we know that in other domains less so in the relational domain because it's often newer to us but if we look at other domains like business or sport you know how many coaches did michael jordan have you know how many coaches does the you know the 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 team at the lakers have they have multiple coaches support you know physicians uh psychologists right. therapists you know they they have a whole squad that supports them to be able to play at that level and you know the beauty of this time is that 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 we can actually have support in our lives uh, at different levels that allow us to to really be our best. Yeah, it's a mantra for life. We are always in a state of becoming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what it is. Well, Rick, I can't thank you enough for being here with us today and sharing all your knowledge and experience. I highly encourage everybody to go check out Rick's website and to make sure that if you're interested in coaching with him, that you fill out the application and move yourself through that process. Thank you so much, brother. And thank you for everyone listening. You know, if you're, if you're listening to this point now, you are, you are a, an avid walker of the path. And um, yeah, I just commend all the work that you're doing out there too, because like we've spoken about multiple times on this episode, it, it, it has an impact, whether that be on the, the clerk, the shop teller, the guy at the gas station, just like how your nervous system, how you're showing up has a profound impact. So thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure meeting you. Appreciate it.